Hey everyone, and welcome to a very exciting episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today we are breaking down and talking about the movie of the week. The uh, Some might say the movie of the year, the movie of the month, whatever you want to call it. It is The Rise of Skywalker, Star Wars' final entry in the Skywalker saga, according to Disney, of course. Uh, this is going to be a completely spoilerific discussion, so if you have not seen this movie, uh, move forward at your own risk, or press pause, go see it, and uh, then come back and hear my thoughts on it. Though I imagine, even if you haven't seen it, you have heard that this is a very divisive movie, and um, just as the last Star Wars movie was. So we're going to get into that and more on this episode. And uh, so now's a perfect time to pause. But uh, if not, we're going to dive right in. So uh, I am pulling up the info right now just so we can, um, I guess, properly discuss the intricacies and other words that I can use to buy myself time on Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. This is episode 9. So, uh, as you all know, probably, it was directed by J.J. Abrams, and then screenplay was by Chris Tierro and J.J. Abrams, along with a story by Derek Connolly, Colin Trevorrow, Chris Tierro, and J.J. Abrams. I'm going to click on Chris Tierro real quick just to see what else he's done. Interesting. He was a writer on Argo, Batman v Superman, and Justice League. That's then that's it. Why would they bring him in? I don't know. I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. But this stars obviously Carrie Fisher as uh, Princess Leia, Leia Organa, uh, Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker, Adam Driver, Kylo Ren. Daisy Ridley as Ray, John Boyega as Finn, Oscar Isaac as Poe Dameron, uh, Anthony Daniels as C-3PO, and then we got some newcomers too, and Naomi Aki as Janna, Richard E. Grant made an exciting appearance in here as uh, one of the bad guys, and then Zori Bliss was played by Carrie Russell, who I'm actually, I'm looking up here just to confirm what, because I was like, oh, I've heard Carrie Russell before, like, but that name sounds like she's a famous actress, but I couldn't remember what I'd seen her from. And she hasn't been in a lot. I think she was in Mission Impossible 3, though. I know that for sure. So I uh, wanted to make this review after seeing the movie twice because, as you all know, and I'm hoping, as you guys all do, I don't know, I experience a movie very... It feels like, for the most part, that first showing of the movie is always so special. doesn't matter what the movie is... I guess it does in some instances, but I guess if it's it's a movie like this, like a Star Wars or a Marvel movie, Harry Potter, any of those big, those movies that I know in my heart I'm probably going to really like, that first showing is usually just an amazing joyride, essentially, and I am, you know, high on the movie, and so I have to see it a second time to kind of come down a little bit and go, okay, you know, was there anything that... You know, maybe I overlooked or, or missed or, you know, whatever the case may be. So, you know, certain movies may take more than two showings. But funny enough, my second viewing of Rise of the Skywalker gave me the exact same reaction as my first viewing of Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. So, um... So yeah, so I uh, so last night, uh, my me and my wife, my cousin and his wife, and my brother, we all went and um, we ate dinner at Chili's. Uh, great happy hour. The drinks weren't as strong as I wanted them to be, 
But uh, we enjoyed Chili's and went over to the movies, got in our seats, primo seating in the Dolby Theater, row D. Guys, if you want, here's the secret tip. You want best film seat in Dolby, uh, AMC's Dolby Theater, it's D10. Uh, and then from right, it's a little spread there. So you can go basically like D8 to D12 is right in the middle. Perfect spot. Uh, but actually, we didn't sit in row D. We sat in row C because it was packed. Uh, but row C was perfect too, and it was great. So uh, no eye issues, no problems there. Uh, but I know I'm, I'm dancing around the subject, guys. Uh, I made a quick, brief synopsis on my Twitter as to what I thought of this film. But I loved it. I absolutely loved it, and uh, so we're going to be talking all about that, and it's crazy to me, so I, okay, so we're going to probably have to get get those things out of the way first, these, the uh, the nitpicks and uh, the issues that I've seen people have with this movie, uh, because I think that's what most people want, right? They want the discussion about the discourse, and uh, so that's what you're gonna, guys are going to be getting, so... Um, in the lead up to this movie, I was really excited, so here's, and, and you're going to uh, you're probably going to get more of this in, uh, I'm going to be having a special podcast episode discussing all nine of the Skywalker movies plus Rogue One and Solo, uh, with my brother and, uh, kind of going over our thoughts on the entire saga, revealing which ones are our favorite, where they stack up. And, uh, so there's, there's more going into it in that sense. So I'm not going to dive into too deeply on, you know, the buildup for this film, but I will say this, I, um, I really liked Last Jedi. I thought it was an amazing movie. Um, and I really liked Force Awakens as well. I thought both of them were great. I loved the direction that they took in Last Jedi. I It's funny enough, I, and again, I'll probably repeat this, so I apologize, but uh, when I saw Force Awakens, uh, I didn't even realize that it was a remake of uh, New Hope. Not even kidding you. Not until the very end of the movie when they were going to destroy the Starkiller base and he's like, oh, it's just a bigger Starkiller base. And then Han Solo's like, yeah, we've done this before. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, we have. And then I was like, oh, whoa, this whole movie is like a remake of it. But I didn't care. I was like, oh, okay, this is, you know, it's fun. I get, at, at some point, we as the fans, we have some say, it seems like. Uh, you know, we can complain about this. We can complain about that. But at the end of the day, the movie-making machine, doesn't matter what uh, what studio it is, in this case being Disney, is is going to make a movie. And, and they're going to try and make it to please as many people as possible so that they can make as much money as possible. But at the, but the person making the film, and in this case, you know, for that, J.J. Abrams, they, he's going to be making a movie that, yeah, he's got probably got some fan service in mind. But at the end of the day, he's still making this movie. He's not... Ma- he's not uh, He's not being forced to make it. He's not, you know, feeling like, oh, great, here we go. Like, he's actually wanted to make a Star Wars movie, so he did. And, yeah, it's got a lot of tropes and shot-for-shot things from A New Hope, but I think a lot of fans needed that because they were so jilted from the prequels. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I loved the prequels, so I didn't need that. But it was still nice because I... Uh, I was obsessed with this. There's a article out there. It's a it's an essay about the cyclical nature of Star Wars, and I read it before um, before Force Awakens came out. Um, it's a really amazing article. If if uh, I would recommend maybe Googling, because and I don't have it on me right now, and I'm not going to look it up while we're talking. But you could probably Google Star Wars. 
Um, it's called like the circle theory and it's really amazing. It's, it's incredible. It's like the, there's certain shots in a new hope that line up directly with revenge of the Sith and then empire strikes back and attack of the clones. And, um, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Return of the Jedi and uh, Phantom Menace. They all line up perfectly. Like the way that the camera pans at the beginning of beginnings of each of the movies, and the sort of themes in the movies. It's it makes. And I don't I don't know if uh, George Lucas has confirmed it, but if it's true, the things that are said in that make those movies prophetic. They are like they are put to the legendary category of literally like this person did this thing in this movie and that lines up exactly with what this reverse person did in this movie and it's like there's mirrors and all kinds of crazy stuff. So to me, I have a huge reverence for these Star Wars movies. I grew up on um, yeah, and we're man, this is stuff that we're going to be talking about on the other stuff. So I'll try and keep this short, but I grew up on all of the Star Wars movies. So I watched the original trilogy, I think probably first, me and my brother, we loved the original trilogy. And then we got to see the the uh, prequel trilogy, all of them in theaters. I've shared this before. Actually, I'm not going to share this, but I have a really great story in regards to my first viewing of Phantom Menace. It's it's uh, actually really special. I think I've shared it on a prior podcast, but if not, I will be sharing it on the on the uh, Star Wars Saga podcast that I will be doing with my brother. But safe to say, like I said, I've loved all the Star Wars movies. I I, I can't I, I haven't given I don't give any of them. None of them have gotten below an 8 review of I 8 out of 10 on them. I, I enjoy all of them. There's obviously issues in some of them in my most recent viewing of Attack of the Clones. There was a really big problem that I had, but it's still I love the movie. So, um, so this this uh, the sequel trilogy. Now, I am glad to say that I fully enjoyed all three of the sequel movies. I loved Force Awakens. I loved Last Jedi, and I now love Rise of Skywalker. I think it was a perfect cap to the trilogy, and honestly. Uh, it was my favorite of that trilogy, and it's actually right up there at the top of my favorite Star Wars movies. And so, we'll, we'll let's dive right in. So, this movie is uh, it takes place. I'm imagining a little bit after Last Jedi, and it it starts out with Kylo Ren is on the search. There's a there's a scroll, and, and I'm not going to try and ruin too much in terms of that, but because um, I kind of want to just talk about the things that I like and didn't like, but uh, we'll we'll do that as we're we're walking through the movie. So um, Kylo Ren is on the search for Emperor Palpatine, and uh, there was a there was kind of a cry out in the universe that you know he's back, sort of thing, which I thought was awesome when uh, when that was announced at I think that was it was either D23 or it might have been the Star Wars uh, Star Wars Fest or whatever that Star Wars celebration. Uh, when Ian McDermott was out there, uh, I was I lost lost my mind, and that was when the trailer came out. I was like, "Whoa, was that the Emperor laughing? Holy crap!" Uh, I just I was just overjoyed that they were bringing the Emperor back, and I think a lot of people were too because when the Star War- I watched the Star Wars Celebration video live, and when he came out, and when we heard the Emperor, the crowd lost their minds, guys. They lost their minds. So I thought that would have made things great, but apparently that is not something that people were. I don't know necessarily if they were a fan of it. I don't know. It just seems like to me. If you're bringing the Emperor back, 
it's got to be for a good reason. And I, with with the minimal wisdom that I have and, and minimal knowing of Star Wars that I have, I knew the reason why they brought the Emperor back. I guessed that before I saw the movie. Uh, and the reason for that being, we'll get into it. But, uh, but so he's searching for the Emperor and uh, he's got to find this sort of tracking beacon. Apparently, there are two homing beacons that you can find the Emperor with, and they lead you to this place called Exegol, I think is what it was, and, and I, I, they went to a lot of planets in this movie, which is awesome, but I do not remember a lot of their names, But uh, so uh, you're going to have to forgive me on that end, but um, so he, he goes to Exegol, Exegol and the emperor's there. Holy crap, guys. For and again, oh man, I'm going to keep saying this stuff, but like I said, my okay. You're you guys are going to get just a brief a br- very brief treat. Uh my f- I well no, it's not a brief treat. I already said it. My favorite movies are the prequels. So the fact that the emperor said again, he repeated his quote of uh there are many abilities that some might may consider unnatural. Uh, was I jumped out of my seat when he said that. I was like, oh, hell yeah, yes. And uh, and so he's like, oh, you know, I, he tells Kylo, he's like, I, um, he, Kylo's like, basically, like, give me an excuse not to kill you. He's like, I planned all this. I pulled all the strings. Uh, I created Snoke, all this trash, which is great. I mean, I'm, I wasn't surprised in the slightest. I was like, okay, that makes total sense because the emperor was trained by Darth Pelagius. He mastered death. Like he's not going to die. Being thrown into a reactor is not going to kill him. He's going to find some way to do it. Plus for those of you who, um, who are, you know, keeping score, if you never find a body, they are not dead and they never found the emperor's body. So so there you go. Um, so just the fact that they pulled him in, I think, really wraps the trilogy—not the wraps the trilogy up, but it also wraps the whole nine nine episode series up because you've got the Emperor in the first episode and the last episode, and he. God, we're gonna get into so much when we do this podcast, but um, just the Emperor himself is probably. You could say this is the Skywalker saga, but at the same time, it's kind of the Palpatine saga as well because he pulled the strings throughout this entire thing. He's the one who wanted unlimited power. So, uh, yeah, and I, I I applauded them for doing that. I like the fact that he was strapped up to a machine. He made him look like he you know, was barely hanging on, but we all know that he's, he's still hella powerful even though he's barely hanging on but um so but he says you know okay this is what i'm you know i will give you everything essentially and it's funny too i was thinking about this i was like if the emperor's coming back this is before the movie came out if the emperor's coming back he is and and we saw the scene in the trailer with all of the star destroyers and i was thinking to myself they're gonna have to come up with a new name because the first order doesn't work anymore when we're getting to this last movie and i thought i was thinking like well what would be a funny name for it and i was like well what if they what if it was the new order was what i was uh or the new empire was something like that and i was like yeah you know people could call it the new empire but i loved that they chose the final order because it truly was the emperor's final order to literally destroy every single planet that has any dissenters on it like that to me is the final it's it's essentially the same as like hitler's final solution it's literally the same thing of like okay, fine, I don't like these people, they don't agree with me, I'm just going to destroy the entire planet. And um, he clearly had the means to because he's got star destroyers that have the planet killer technology on them from the star killer uh, 
machine Death Star that was in Force Awakens. So uh, they he he's he's essentially going through iPhone models. He's he started with the Death Star to Death Star number two to the Star Killer base uh, to the uh, now to these things. So you know, good for him. He's he's consolidating, but. Uh, but yeah, so uh, he's like, you know, I'll do all this for you. This will all be yours. All you have to do is kill Ray, basically. And he's he's like, but be careful. Like, she's not she's not who you think she is. And he's like, well, then tell me. And so then it, it zaps off to that point. And like I said, again, I knew that Ray was going to be was um, the emperor's granddaughter. That I, I I my true guess was that it was his daughter. But uh, granddaughter is the same to me. There's actually there's really no discussion in the movie about it in terms of um, you know how this is possible, uh, and and we'll dive into that because I probably want to get some opinion from my brother as well on it, uh, and he loved the movie as well. But um, uh, in the comic books, it's revealed that uh, Darth Sidious created. Darth Vader. He created Anakin Skywalker. Emperor Palpatine did. He essentially influenced and manipulated the midichlorians inside of Shmi Skywalker uh, to give her a baby, which was Anakin. Now, I'd have to reread it again. I don't necessarily know if she was already pregnant and he basically manipulated the baby into being Anakin or if he just created life. And I think it's the created life piece. And if that's the case, my assumption was he did that for Ray as well. And I wouldn't be surprised if he did that for multiple people all over the place. To me, at this point, when you look at it, he's essentially a god. He is creating life in people for his own nefarious purposes. And so my brother brought up an interesting point today. He's like, okay, so does that mean that Kylo and Ray are related? That they're like, she's his aunt? And I was thinking about it, so I was like, okay, so if so, Kylo is the grandson of Darth Vader, so that means Kylo technically is the great grandson of um, of Emperor Palpatine. If you want to look at it that way, like you certainly don't have to look at it that way, but if 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 uh, Darth uh, Darth Sidious created Anakin then technically there's there's some sort of relation there. And so if he did that as well for some family and manipulated the midichlorians and them to have Rey, then same thing. The other option, obviously, is that the son is the son of Palpatine. I have not read or looked up anything yet that shows that he had any kids. I don't know if he did, but again, that whole reveal played out really well because if I was the son of the Emperor... I would want no one to know who I am. I would want to be completely anonymous because I'm a good person and I would see my dad and be like, holy cow, you are pure evil. I do not want anything to do with you and I sure as hell don't want anything, want my daughter to do have anything to do with you. So them, them hiding her on Jakku, I thought was brilliant. I thought that was a great, very quick and easy explanation while still maintaining and uh, maintaining the stuff that was in Last Jedi uh, of her coming from no nobody. And yes, she did. She came from nowhere. She came from Jakku. Her parents abandoned her there. I think that really still stands. And, and, and at the end of the day, when you're watching this movie... Uh, and, and yeah, we're going to, this is going to be a long discussion, but, uh, cause we're like what, 10 minutes into the film, but her and her, her and Finn are both force sensitive and Finn really is force sensitive in this one. He multiple times is talking about feelings that he's had or, you know, following the force. And then there's that scene where when Ray dies at the end, um, he feels it. He's like Ray. And, and so you've got multiple people like Finn who came from nowhere. He was probably, 
Um, Ray, he was literally raised to be a stormtrooper, yet he has the Force. You've got the kid at the end of The Last Jedi. There's just this, this precedent that's being set in these movies that anyone can be a Jedi. And I think that's the power of this film that solidifies that, that Rey came from nothing and she has now been given a name. She's been given Palpatine. She's Palpatine's like, you take my throne. And this is at the end, we're going to, you know, end of the movie, but he's like, you, my granddaughter, you can become Empress Palpatine. And she wants nothing to do with that. She doesn't want to be, she doesn't want to have that, uh, that, uh, that, I guess, history behind her. And there's a scene where um, Luke is telling her, he says, he says, you aren't your bloodline. Like, you aren't your bloodline. And so she makes the conscious choice to be Rey Skywalker, which I thought was beautiful, amazing. She is the rise of Skywalker. And I think that's a symbol and a message for not the rise of Skywalker in, in, in of that sense of like, oh, you know, the, the Skywalker saga. It's the rise of anybody who is force sensitive can choose a path and become the jedi that they feel like they want to be ray clearly has sith and jedi in her right like she's got the emperor in her but she's also got all this skywalker love in her as well like luke's stuff all the training that luke gave her all the training leia gave her and all the experiences that she's had she's i mean like she heals people but she also uses force lightning so that's a really cool way of bringing balance to the force to say you know the jedi were not perfect they a hundred percent were not perfect they screwed a lot of stuff up especially in the prequels they had and yoda says it they had the opportunity to stop the emperor before all of this happened but the emperor was way too powerful and blocked them out so that they couldn't tell and they they basically failed in their own hubris that they they couldn't sense what was going on when so obvious that the emperor is manipulating the entire senate and you jedi can't tell you can't see that it's so insane so it makes sense that the Jedi aren't amazing either. Like there's there's good and bad to each side, and I think Ray sees that, and that's why she takes on that Skywalker name. Is these people meant so much to me? I'm carrying on. I am choosing to carry on their name than the name that I was born with, sort of thing. Which I think is a really powerful message, and a especially powerful message for the the uh, the entire trilogy of anyone can become a Jedi or and you know anyone can be Force sensitive. It doesn't matter where you come from. It just matters what you choose to do with yourself. It doesn't matter what name you have. It just matters what you choose to do with that name. And so, um, and that's the last, that's uh, the rise of Skywalker. No, I'm kidding. But um, so then at that point, uh, we get to, that's kind of the, the first bit. So then we go, oh, you know, where's Ray? Ray is freaking training and she is a badass. She's an absolute badass in this movie. So awesome to see. Um, I liked, I, I liked the progression, I guess you could say. So she was kind of a do and know nothing in Force Awakens to then being a sort of novice almost to getting too advanced with the training from uh, Luke in Last Jedi. And now she's freaking rotating rocks around her while she's meditating. And it's like, what's she talking about? Uh, be with me. Who she's asking her to be with. And, uh, but then she just does her little casual flip onto the ground and starts running a American Ninja Warrior track in the forest, slashing things and bashing things, getting, blocking every, oh my man, that was so cool. And then boom, Kylo Ren, uh, gets her. So, uh, again, to the, I don't know, just to me, for me personally, I 
think this movie not only made The Last Jedi a better movie, but I think The Last Jedi made this movie better because this movie builds on so many new things that were introduced in The Last Jedi. For example, Rey and Kylo having that really powerful connection where they can force talk to each other. And we got a, a very brief scene in The Last Jedi where he's got some water on his uh, hand after talking with her at uh, Octo when it was raining. Now in this one, they're taking it even a step further. So he's talking with her and uh, what is, I mean, well, multiple situations in this one. He, uh, they have, they're able to have a lightsaber fight between each other they were able to pull things out of each other's locations like uh, he pulls a necklace out of uh, when she's on the desert planet and then at the end of it she freaking gives him her lightsaber holy cow that i lost my mind at that scene but we're getting ahead of ourselves so uh they're talking and same thing he's like you know i wish you would have joined me but you're going to like you are going to take my hand and join me uh and it's going to be willingly this time and she's like we'll see and um or maybe she says that in a different spot, but regardless, that was setting up, it's setting up for the ending at this point of her willingly, you know, joining him, but, um, you know, we find out from, um, from there that Finn, Poe, and uh, a couple of the others are going to get a secret transmission message from a spy who, in the First Order, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, okay, classic, like, we're getting a spy, like, who this spy is, I, was taken completely aback that it was General Hux. That surprised me, but then didn't surprise me. I was like, oh, that's the perfect choice. And I loved his explanation that, you know, I don't care if you guys win. I just want Kylo Ren to lose, which if you've seen The Force Awakens and Last Jedi makes total sense because he hates Kylo. Like Kylo constantly embarrasses him and constantly just does not care about him at all. So I like that I thought was perfect. Plus I like Dom Hall Gleason. So that was great too. But um, so now we're getting kind of moving into they they get that piece they they escape there's a great chase sequence there and they get back to their planet where they're they're hiding out and they deliver the message which is the same thing that the emperor is building a giant army and they have to figure out uh you know where to um they have to figure out where this wayfinder is so it's kind of assumed that they know essentially that like there's one out there already right like kylo already found one of them so they need to find another one and at this point ray's like well wait a minute i've been reading the jedi the jedi texts that were saved at the end of the last movie she's like i think luke made a mention of that and so that she finds out that yeah there's a planet where he kind of went to do some investigating so they go to this planet it's a desert planet and um Nothing, it's kind of like a tattooing, but there's a giant celebration going there, which was really funny. There's some really good gags there. But we get to this desert planet, and that's where things completely go off the rails in both the best and worst ways. So um, we get to this planet, and, and uh, this is at this point now is when we are getting to the beautiful relationship of the entire team. So this is the first movie where everyone is finally together and sort of meshed. Uh, in that being Ray, Finn, Poe, Chewie, C-3PO, BB-8, like they're all together and their camaraderie and teamwork and the banter that they have was just awesome. And I love that beginning scene when the, uh, she's leaving and he's like, she's like, I'm going alone. And Finn's like, yeah, alone with friends. And I was like, that's just, it was perfect. I thought that was great. It was, uh, 
I don't know. I, I they, a lot of people were saying like, oh yeah, they're just trying to make it like Han, uh, Chewie, Leia, and Luke in, in Star Wars. Uh, first off, no, completely different team. But second off, who cares? That's the whole point, right? Like you want to see teams. You want to see the teamwork. Like there and it's and so technically, I guess you could say so because you've got you've got your Han, which is uh, um, Poe. But then who's Luke Skywalker? Oh, okay, that's Ray. Well, then who's uh, Leia? I guess you'd say that's Finn because he's Force-sensitive just like Leia but doesn't really do anything with it like Leia. Uh, and and so I guess that's the same. But I, I, besides that, there's really no other similarities other than these people all work really well together. They've got some good banter together, a little bit of, uh, you know, hack, hacking at each other sort of thing, which I thought was great. Then they kept giving Poe trouble about, you know, he's got a past and we're going to figure out what it is. Well, And uh, so they're on the desert planet and uh first order finds out and because uh kylo ren pulls the necklace off of ray and is like okay you know i know where they are let's go but we get to the scene now where they're they're trying to find the ship uh of a bounty hunter who turns out this is the bounty hunter that was supposed to be i guess he killed ray's parents and he was supposed to bring back ray but he got lost and whatever you know they hid ray obviously but then he died on this planet and so they find a dagger that sort of has this this ancient Sith text on it. And C-3PO reads it, but he can't repeat it because it's against his protocol, which I thought was cool. A nice little twist. I was like, dang it. Like, of course he can't read it. But um, but then we get, oh my God, we get Rey just wrecking shop. So um, she's like, oh, I feel something. And like leaves. And then we get the beautiful scene from the trailer where she where she uh, jumps up over Ray's, uh, Kylo Ren's ship as it's flying in. But what you don't see in the trailer is she slices through the wing of his ship and lands on her freaking feet, and he crash lands. And then the trans one of the transport ships takes off, and they captured Chewie. And Finn's like Ray, like they got Chewie, and Ray just throws her hand up and starts pulling down the transport ship. Like, you can't get any more badass than that. Oh, wait, wait, you can? Yeah, Kylo Ren starts trying to pull the ship back down, and so she, like, unleashes her full power, and she force lightnings the ship, and it blows up. And I'm just like, oh. and she's like, no, Chewie! And that got me. I thought Chewie was on that ship, but I partially didn't because I was like, there's no way they wouldn't have had, like, a moment for Chewie before he died. So it didn't get me that surprised, but I still was like, wow, she just freaking... And that was the minute, too, where I was... Like I said, I already had guessed that Rey was was a Palpatine just from some stuff I had read and the whole midichlorians thing. I was like, well, that's the only reason they brought the Emperor back. But um, but that moment solidified in the movie. I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's definitely what's going to happen because who's the only person that Force Lightning... Count Dooku does Force Lightning, sure, but the Emperor is the Force Lightning guy. Like, if you need if you need a storm, you go to the Emperor and you, and you go at the end of this at the end of this movie, too. You're going to see the Emperor really, really unleash the full power of the dark side but he so then they they leave they get out of dodge and uh they go to where do they go next oh yeah they go to a planet where a this really funny little guy i don't even i they said his name twice but um i don't remember his name and he uh he's like a little he's basically the baby yoda of this movie the the porgs of this movie and he's he's uh working on c3po to get him to say his stuff and at the same time, we get this person played by Carrie Russell, who apparently knows Poe. She's kind of like a Mandalorian in the sense that she's got a helmet on. But um, the cool relationship between the two of them, it's not super fleshed out. 
But at the end of the day, I'm not trying to get new relationships in this movie. Like I said, I, I'm wanting to focus on that core group of characters. Like I, I really wanted the wrap up of their story. And so we got that in this movie. Like I, I get, and I, I was a little bummed that Kelly Marie Tran's character, Rose, didn't get as much of a of a story. I saw someone saying like, oh, well, she didn't get a cool moment in this movie. Yeah, you could argue she did get a cool moment in Last Jedi though. She saved Finn from dying which I personally don't agree with. I didn't like that scene. I thought, um, you know, Finn would have saved everyone by going through, but now having seen this final movie, like, I'm glad Finn didn't die. So I'm grateful that Rose, you know, stuck her neck out and saved him. But we got our cool... And, and they the, they literally used the example. They go, Maz Kanata got a cool scene in Last Jedi where she's jumping around in a hollow transmission. Even Maz did. I'm like, but then, so then did you miss that part of Last Jedi where Rose saved Finn? Because that was a huge moment. That was that was big. She explains to him that, like, we win with love. And as corny as that is, it's true. So she got her moment in Last Jedi. And it, great enough, she's also in this movie again. So we get to see her a couple more times, which was great. But I want to focus on those main characters. And we got to do that. So I thought that was fantastic. So they, they're at this planet. And uh, now the First Order is coming down on them. Like, they've tracked them there. And so Ray's like, holy crap, like, Chewie's alive. Like, I can feel him on that ship. And at the same time, they 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 get C-3PO going. The only catch is that they're going to have to erase his memory. So there's a sweet scene in there where he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at all my fr- – one last look at all my friends. And, um, so they do it, they figure out this is, they find out it's, uh, it's on one of the moons of Endor, which is where the Death Star crashed, makes total sense, glad we get to go back there, but she goes back on the ship, and, uh, it's just so great, like, Kylo can't find her, he's like, I, you know, you're really hard to find, it's like, dude, she's in your freaking bedroom, and you don't, you can't feel her in there, but, uh, they go up there, they save Chewie, and that's when we find out that Hux is the, um, at the, the, the mole, which was nice, but then we get to see, you know, Richard Grant kills him, which was deserved, obviously, you know, he's the mole, and we got to take care of him, but, um, just a great lightsaber battle scene in there, whether he's in the bedroom and fighting her, and oh, that just it was really great camera work too because in one scene both of them are fighting in the bedroom the next scene both of them are fighting on the planet because you know they're both in one and not in the other but so he flies back to his ship and uh gets there and um so the group gets into the millennium falcon and escapes they'd captured the falcon um prior when they were on that that desert planet but so they get it they save ray and escape but there's that is the moment when Rey is revealed by uh, Kylo that she is the granddaughter of the Emperor. I would have sort of liked the Emperor to do the reveal, but I was okay with it then because Kylo was also the one who kind of said that her parents were nobodies, which he wasn't. It wasn't wrong. That's a true statement. They were nobodies. They they uh, they dropped her off on a planet and kind of left her there. But. Um, uh, some people have said, you know, oh, yeah, the way to, way to retcon The Last Jedi because, um, you know, they, they were nobodies. Anyone can, and I, I said at the beginning, like, it doesn't retcon anything. Like, she's still a nobody. Like, she's a nobody from Jakku. She just happens to be related to the Emperor. That's, I saw it, I think it was in IGN's, uh, one of their, uh, David Griffin on IGN was saying, like, most fantasy stories like Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, Star Wars, who you are related to matters. And that's just part of the fantasy piece of it of like who your parents are kind of shows who you are sort of thing. And so not only did they prove that in this movie, but they kind of turned it on its head because in this one, it was like, 
It doesn't matter who you're related to. You could be related to the most evil person in the galaxy and still be a good person and still change your fate. So I thought that was really powerful and um, was great. And so she she escapes with them on um, the Millennium Falcon. Really cool jump from the, the Destroyer to the Millennium Falcon. Sort of a force jump, which was kind of cool. Uh, and then they get out of there. And where do they head? I, they head somewhere, I thought. Oh, right, they head to the, the moon of Endor. And so they crash land there. Their, their landing gear is broken. But at that point, she they meet we meet another new character named Janna, I think was her name. But um, also a cool character, very interesting character. But um, uh, not a lot of scenes. I mean, she, she's got some good scenes. She has a great conversation with Finn. They're both prior stormtroopers. But uh, like I said, I'm not trying to get new characters in this movie, though I appreciate them you, them bringing in some new characters for the future. And the way that this movie kind of ends, I would be totally down with seeing Janna, um, Lando Calrissian. They kind of had a little moment. So maybe them plus a couple of others doing like a team up, even if it was just like Janna, Finn, Ray, Poe, and uh, Zora Bliss, that would be a really cool movie. And I mean, it would be a really cool Disney Plus show too. Uh, regardless, I mean, that's, that's kind of where we're at. So those are the, the, really the new characters that were introduced. And, um, so she goes into the death star and finds the, the hollow thing, the wayfinder, but she's then confronted by her evil self, which is that part in the trailer where we get to see the double bladed red lightsaber. But that scene scared the crap out of me just totally freaked me out when I was in the movie theaters. She gets like really sharp and gnarled teeth and uh, super scary. Everything with the Emperor was also really scary too. So, you know, great job on their camera work there. It was very shadowy and spooky. But um, she gets the Wayfinder, but then it drops it. Kylo's there. He arrives and, and picks it up and smashes it. He's like, the only way you're getting there is, is with me. So they have a giant lightsaber battle. And, uh, um, you know, the, the storm outside is raging. The winds, the waves are, are just shooting up in the sky and uh finn is there with janna and they're trying to kind of like ray no and she force pushes them away like don't mess with me sort of thing like save yourself and uh and i missed a a piece a small piece when they're on the desert planet she force heals the snake this giant like centipede type snake which is just like what baby yoda did in the mandalorian so um i thought that was really cool Again, great to see the force used in a positive light, but then it comes back here, they're fighting, and it is a badass fight, but um, at the same time, Princess Leia, or General Organa in this case, she uses the last bit of her life force to what I'm assuming is sort of not necessarily catch Ben off guard, but kind of putting her spirit into him in a sense of like, she's like, Ben, and he sort of stops in his tracks, and he's like, whoa, and I, you know, and then she stabs him. So she takes that moment and uses his own lightsaber to stab him in the chest. And so he's down for the count. But so she force heals him, and she then starts crying. She's like, "Oh no, Leia just died. That was like Leia being dead." And so for the Leia piece of things, that's really all Leia does in this movie, besides a little bit of training. And the reason for that, obviously, is because Carrie Fisher passed away. So they had to use a lot of unused footage, and you can clearly tell that they were reusing some scenes from Force Awakens, but they just put a different backdrop on it. I'm okay with that. I'm totally fine with that. They had to do what they could. 
and there's a lot of people out there that were wishing more for Leia, and me included. There's been some comics that I've read where Leia uses a lightsaber, and I was dying to see that. Well, guess what? We got to see it for a little bit, though, in a flashback, and even that was cool. But um, for, for the amount of footage that they were able to do with her, I thought it was great, and it was really meaningful that her last her last thing she does is almost kind of turn him to the good side. Essentially, she... If this more meta, if Kylo Ren is a boat, the boat is currently shut off. She's the rudder, and she kind of pushes him in the other direction, in the right track. And then she, uh, so at this point, um, Ray leaves, takes his ship, and flies off to Exegol. So he's sitting there alone, and he sees his dad. He sees Han Solo. That part took me by surprise, and I got choked up. I was like, oh, I did not think Harrison Ford was going to come back. But he was there and he was beautiful and he had a great he has a great conversation with his son, kind of the same conversation he had in Force Awakens, but they're flipping the script and he say, he says, you know, like you basically like you can do it. You can be a good person. He's like he says, I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I'm strong enough to if that I'm strong enough to do it. And he's like, You are strong enough. And he tosses his freaking lightsaber into the ocean and I oh, that was just a beautiful moment. Ben Solo is back. I mean, he never, he's never, we've never seen Ben Solo before, but boom, you have a, finally, Ben Solo has been redeemed after two movies, like, oh, what a powerful thing, and, and it's, it's amazing that it's like, it takes a village to raise a child, he is redeemed because of his mom, his dad, and Ray, and that's just amazing, so, she, so she shows up on Exegol. Everyone else kind of went back to their hiding spot, and they're like, "Hey, you know, well, what are we gonna do next? Uh, General Organa's dead," and they're like, "Wait a minute, we're getting a, well, no, actually, we're not getting a message from Luke Skywalker." At this point, she shows up to Acto. She burns the ship. She's throwing, throwing wood on it, and she throws her lightsaber. Excuse me. Woo! Drinking a Red Bull. I'm trying to get pumped up for this thing. It's uh, I'm recording this pretty late at night, but um, she tosses her lightsaber into the fire. And who reaches their hand out to catch the lightsaber but freaking Luke Skywalker himself. And he says, a Jedi's weapon must be respected. Like, dude, you were disrespecting the Jedi the entire last movie, right? Right. But if you guys remember, if you guys remember in The Last Jedi, there's like the scene at the end of The Last Jedi where um well and we'll talk about this first so so he catches it and he goes and has a talk with ray and he's like what the hell and she's like i'm staying here i'm doing what you did like i can't do this i I'm, essentially she's giving up she's scared and he says you can't let your fear run you that's what happened to me and um basically gives her the pep talk that she needs and she's like well i can't get to i can't get to exegol anyway i don't i burned my ride he's like well, wait a minute. What if I go full circle and freaking raise up the X-Wing from the water just as my master Yoda did in Empire Strikes Back? Now I have the strength to do it myself. That was powerful. That was awesome. But um, so in regards to that, a lot of people I've seen have said that scene is disingenuous and that that scene is uh, kind of running over everything that The Last Jedi was trying to do. Oh, man. Oh, man. Okay, so like I was saying, for those of you that saw The Last Jedi, do you remember that scene at the end of the movie when Luke Skywalker shows up 
to help out the rebels do you remember that where he like he's a force ghost there and he it's kind it was kind of a big scene i thought i mean i figured more people would have seen it but he does this thing in the scene where he fights kylo ren and kind of explains to him like you're you know striking me down in anger you're gonna be with me forever um i like there you i am not the last jedi there are more out there kind of it's almost like the whole movie, he he was um, discouraged because just like in Return of the Jedi, he had a moment of weaken, weakness where he wanted to kill Kylo Ren. Same moment of weakness as when he wanted to kill his father in Return of the Jedi uh, because people have multiple moments of weakness because they're humans. Though, you know, there's no confirmation actually that anyone in Star Wars is a human because it takes place in space. But for this purpose, they are human. So it is human to constantly error and learn from your ways. So again, if you've seen The Last Jedi, there's this part where he uh, he doesn't want to be a Jedi, doesn't believe in it, doesn't believe in the... He says, I don't think the system works and um, is wanting to crash everything. And Yoda meets him, slaps his face and says, hey, idiot, like you need to wake up. You need to get out of this funk. Like it, it's not your fault. These things happen. And uh, the Jedi is not over. Like there's there's other Jedi out there, the Rays, the, the other nobodies, like people all over who are force sensitive. So there's this scene at the end of The Last Jedi where he makes his heroic return and, and is pumped up and says, hey, I am ready to do some good. I am ready to become that Jedi Master again. So, now, in Rise of Skywalker, he's using that newfound excitement after death, that newfound realization that he is a Jedi, and that the Jedi matter, and that the Force matters, and all of this matters, and I have to make Rey realize that it matters too, and that she's powerful, and she's special. That is a direct continuation from A Last Jedi. It has, It is not wiping away anything from A Last Jedi. Sure, they could have made a movie where no one is a Jedi anymore and the, the final movie is an anti-Jedi movie. But that is not, that's not the movie you make for the last movie in a saga. That's the, that's the next movie. That's what you do in a brand new trilogy or what you do in a brand new story with brand new people. This is a movie where you're needing to wrap everything up with a nice bow. And yeah, that may sound like, you know, maybe you need to do some pandering, but to me, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like a genuine wraparound. Like I said, this circular idea of, you know, the Jedi, the Sith, there needed to be some balance. And we're going to get to that as the movie goes on. But so I thought that scene was great. I, I really liked seeing Luke too. I was like, oh, that's right. He's a force ghost. Like, hell yeah. Are we going to get to see any other force ghosts? Unfortunately, no. But um, so she so she gets into Luke's, uh, Luke's X-Wing and takes off for Exegol. And the heroes are uh, the resistance. They're at their base. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're getting a message from Luke Skywalker. And at this point, actually, which is great, R2-D2 gives C-3PO his memory back. That was nice. I was like, oh, okay. That was a that was a quick, quick do-over. But um, I'm fine with that because C-3PO deserves to remember everything. And um, But they're like, oh, no, that's Rey. And she's literally riding to Exegol and tracking her route so we can follow her. They're like, oh, let's go, like, let's go right now, and so they essentially follow her, and they're like, hey, Lando shows up, and they're like, Lando, uh, go gather as many forces as you can from the core world, like, literally, this is now or never sort of thing, so she lands on, she lands there, and um, confronts the emperor, and he's like, basically, at that point, the emperor is, 
He's surrounded by what is appears to be a crowd of loyal supporters. My guess, though, is those are like the spirits of all of the Sith that he has absorbed, uh, which to me is kind of a bummer, though, because like I would have loved to see Darth Maul again, Asajj Ventress, Count Dooku, all those people. That would have been cool, but we don't, and that's okay. So... Uh, she said, like I just said earlier, you know, oh, I'm, uh, I'm your father. Your gran- I am your grandfather. Yeah, it's a master of disguise, but uh, he kind of is a master of disguise. Uh, the emperor, he's been one of the disguises for the entire uh, saga, I'd say. But so she's like, I'm not gonna do it. Oh, and I forgot, I apologize. Luke gives her Leia's lightsaber, so she's got two lightsabers now, and. Um, Kylo Ren shows up at this point though we're going to refer to him as I, I only call him Ben Solo now so Ben Ben shows up and he has to fight the Knights of Ren and he's doing a pretty good job he's uh really good with the blaster there's some really great scenes with the blaster that reminded me of Han Solo uh, which was cool but then Rey's got her lightsaber out and and the Emperor's like yes yeah, strike me down like if you strike me down all of that power will flow into you and you'll be the Emperor and uh and so she puts her lightsaber behind her back and Kylo grabs it. Ben grabs it from his back. And then he's, and he gives this look. He does like a, uh-huh. And then like starts just destroying everybody. It was awesome. And he's like, oh boy. Like um, the Emperor seems kind of pissed at this point. But Kylo shows up and they're both there. And he's like, you know what? I've had about enough of this. And so he starts sucking the life force out of both of them. And so at this time, the rebels show up. They're fighting all of these Star Destroyers, like hundreds and hundreds of Star Destroyers. And the plan is to disable uh, this thing that is like their, na- their navigation so they can get out of the atmosphere. So if they disable it, the ships won't be able to leave and they can destroy them. They won't have shields. And so they're able to do that in a couple of different ways. It's, I'm not going to go into it, but... They're, they're at their wits' end at the same time as uh, Kylo and them are kind of getting the life sucked out of them. And so the Emperor is slowly starting to look like he did in the prior movies. But then the entire, it's not even a fleet. There's a scene where they're like, the rebels didn't have this big of a navy. And he's like, it's not a navy. It's, they're just people. And all these people show up. Just it looks, it looks like millions of ships show up, and we get the. Uh, that's the first. I would call. I'm calling it the Avengers Endgame moment, where that's the on your left moment. He he says, uh, "I'm sorry, guys. I uh, I really thought that we'd be able to do this one." And uh, and then Lando comes in on his radio and says, "Yeah, we're gonna do it together." And then all of the ships show up. Uh, did not have the same reaction in the theater as when uh, all the portals opened up, but. I was still excited when I saw the ships. I literally let out a, let's go! And I was the only person in the theater who said it. So, okay, you know, that's that's where we stand. But, um, so there are now kind of the tide has turned, but the Emperor has fully sucked the life out of both of them for the most part. And he lets out a lightning rip. He's like, we're ending this right now. And it's the coolest scene. It's almost as cool as Holdo's uh, maneuver in the prior movie in Last Jedi when she does the light speed jump into the ships. He unleashes this lightning into the sky and it just starts shutting off all the ships so they're all crashing and burning sort of thing. And he throws uh, Kylo into the abyss. He says, just like that happened to me. So I'm thinking to myself, "Ah, yeah, but just like it happened to you, he's not going to die. And so Ray is there on the ground, just you know, de- um, you know, can't get up. And she sits there, and she she says her thing again. She starts meditating. She says, "Be with me, be with me." And all of a sudden, we start hearing the voices of every Jedi ever, which is 
I I cried both times I watched it. Like I just got choked. I couldn't control myself hearing all of those voices. And I have a treat for you guys here. This is a comics and comic cinema uh, exclusive. I have the list of all of the the Jedi's. Uh, I took a picture of that portion of the credits so that I would, and I this is my first time seeing it now. Here's here's who I heard before I look at this list. I heard, um, I heard Yoda, I heard Obi Wan, I heard uh, uh, was it? Yeah, I said Yoda, right? Um, I heard Qui Gon Jinn, I heard Mace Windu, and I may have heard one or two. I definitely heard other voices, but couldn't guess who they were. Those were the ones I guessed for sure. But then here's the list of all of them. So. Uh, Anakin Skywalker, and then I uh, heard him the second time. I was like, "Oh, nice!" By Hayden Christensen, Lu- Luminara Unduli by Olivia Diabo, maybe from Rebels or from Clone Wars. Uh, Ahsoka Tano for by Ashley Eckstein. Hell yeah, I love Ahsoka Tano. Alea Sakura from Jennifer Hale. Didn't realize that, but that's awesome. Mace Windu. Obi-Wan Kenobi, both Ewan McGregor and Alec Guinness. Yoda, Adi Gallia by a- Angelique Perrin. Don't know who that is. Kanan Jarrus by Freddie Prinze Jr. That's awesome. Kanan, I've read the the comics of Kanan. He had a he had, he had a series, but that's uh, I believe that's Rebels. Uh, and then Qui-Gon Jinn by Liam Neeson. So, wow, just wow, and um. Interesting here, and we've got Ray's mother, Ray's father. It does not say who they are, huh? But um, I mean, it says who the actors are, but it doesn't say their actual names. So you know, we don't know. But that scene was so powerful, so amazing. It was just the boost that Ray needed to uh, get back up on her feet. She pulls out her lightsaber, and the Emperor's like, "Okay, I'm done with you," and starts shooting his Force lightning at her. But by doing so, he stops shooting force lightning up in the sky. So now the um, the resistance is able to fight again. But so she's absorbing the lightning in her lightsaber, just like uh, I believe it was Obi Wan who did that in um, in uh, Attack of the Clones, I think, with Count Dooku. But anyway, he says, "You know, you can't beat me. I am all of the Sith." And she says, and I am Iron Man and snaps her fingers and the emperor just starts turning into dust and all of the, the, um, all of the star destroyers kind of just start turning into dust and all of the, the, there's a scene where Poe's on the ground hugging Finn and he's like, no, right as the star destroyer is about to crash into him and the star destroyer turns to dust and it's like, oh, wow, this is crazy. And so Ray, her whole arm is scarred. No, okay, all right, no. Uh, that was, But that was the second Avengers Endgame callback was her saying, and I am all of the Jedi and whips out her second lightsaber and crosses them together and burns the Emperor with his own force lightning, which means that she did not inherit his power because she killed. she didn't strike him down. He struck himself down. That was awesome. So good. Obviously, the delivery, like I said, reminded me of Avengers Endgame. It did not have the exact same impact as Avengers Endgame, but it was still cool. And so then that basically takes the life out of her. She kills the Emperor, destroys the Sith for good, and uh, falls to her knees and dies. Literally dies. Kylo Ren climbs up. What? He's alive? He crawls, walks so slowly to Rey and grabs her, looks at her, holds her, cradles her, 
and puts his puts his hand on her chest and does the, the, the same force healing. Now that he's seen her do it, he gives her, his life force to her. She wakes up and smiles at him and says, hey, Ben, which is was, oh, man, my wife lost her mind during this scene. It was funny, too. She's like, I couldn't. She's like, I didn't want to I didn't want to cry in the movie theater. She was, like, crying on the way home in the car. I felt, I, I didn't feel bad. I was just like, wow, like, she really, my wife loved this movie. She said it was her favorite movie of the year. I was like, what? What about Avengers Endgame? She's like, it was, the Avengers Endgame was good, but I like this movie better. I was like, hey, that's, she, I think she, she, and she loves a good love story, so that was great. Though I will preface it by saying that this was not a love story, and that was not to me when I saw it both times. She says, hey, Ben. Ben looks at her. She kisses him right on the mouth and then smiles at him, and he just gives off the biggest smile and then dies and then turns into, you know, becomes one with the force and disappears. There have been a lot of people that I've seen saying that kiss did not work for them. And hey, you know what? great that's that's i i feel bad it, it sort of worked for me i i at first i was like oh why are you doing that and so then my mind had to rationalize it because i was like they're not they're not in love like they're not in love but they have been through a lot they've been in each other's heads for two movies now like they have been seeing what each other's doing they know their innermost thoughts and to me i did not think that was like an i love you so much kiss that was like a we just literally went through hell and back and you are now a good guy. Like you turned to the good side. You you followed your heart. And I'm so proud of you. Like here's a kiss. And thank you for saving my life. And uh, and then he dies. And she's like, oh wow. But so no, I did not get any romantic feelings at all from that scene. And so that's probably why I enjoyed it a little more. Uh, just because I knew that it wasn't supposed to be that way. And maybe it was meant to be that way. But I did certainly did not interpret it that way. Um, and so then that's kind of the end. They, they, they live on the resistance triumphs. We get to see a couple of other worlds sort of, sort of fighting back. And then the very end, the very end of this is, uh, Ray is back on Tatooine and guys, oh man, oh man. So we, uh, just like the, the, uh, dubstep Utini remix, uh, that if you guys want to check it out, just go on YouTube and type in Utini Remix Dubstep. Um, as the bass goes, and it gets to the gets to the top, and we go Utini, boom, 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 boom. Just as that buildup comes, we get that same buildup as she's flying into Tatooine. I I see a sand crawler. I see some some Jawas right there, and I'm thinking to myself, are they gonna say it? Are they going to do it? Are they going to say it? And they're, they're quiet for a while. And then all of a sudden we get a... Utini! And I... Oh, I lost my mind. I actually out loud went, Utini! And uh, my brother started laughing. We love that scene. We love a good Utini. And, uh, and so just like in A New Hope when Luke Skywalker is with uh, R2-D2 or whatever staring out at the Twin Suns, this movie ends with Rey staring off into the Twin Suns as well a perfect wraparound circle not only that but she buries both of both luke and leia's sabers but then we find out that she's made her own lightsaber and it's a yellow lightsaber guys like they've got to make another movie i have to see her fight with that yellow lightsaber i'm so sick of all of the blues and greens like we gotta get that good yellow come on yellow is gold baby and i've got gold in my eyes i love money uh, i'm like Watto, but um 
But yeah, so that's that's and and then it ends, and so that is is the perfect ending. I thought perfect wrap up to this thing. So, my final thoughts on this film, or I guess my all around thoughts on this film, the things that I wanted to touch on is this: to all of you out there who saw this movie and hated it, or for one reason or another did not like it, I have a few things to say to you. One, I'm really sorry that you didn't like it. Like I. I'm legitimately sorry. I I love Star Wars, and to have a movie within the Star Wars saga that you didn't like or that you even hated, that sucks. Like I'm so sorry that this movie did not meet your expectations. Did did some made some weird choices in one way or another. Like truly, I am. That's that that's a that's a bummer. And the second thing I'll say to that is, you are not wrong for feeling those things. It is totally fine if you don't like this movie. It's totally fine. Hey, I'm. I would love to talk with you about why you don't like this movie. I, I would also love to talk to you all there, there that love this movie too. But what I need you to do is, I need you to respect everyone else's opinions as well, because there's a lot of people out there that really liked this movie too, and there's a lot of people out there that were kind of eh, right in the middle. So everyone's got their own opinions, and it just seems like these last two Star Wars movies have drove people over the edge. Like, people are still talking about The Last Jedi, and either how much they hated it, or how much this movie, uh, you know, ruined it. I just feel so bad for all of those people, because I'm sitting here telling you from the bottom of my heart that The Last Jedi is a phenomenal movie, and The Rise of Skywalker is a phenomenal movie. So, again, if you didn't like either of those movies, great, awesome. I mean, I'm again, I'm sorry for it. It's a bummer, but you're entitled to those opinions. So hang on to those opinions. Um, be be happy that you've created your own thoughts in your head. Though again, it's a bummer that those that uh, you know you saw those scenes or whatever whatever portion of it that it was and and kind of turned you off. I'm really sorry about that, and I hope that in the future there's some some movie that you're gonna really love. I hope I hope they make something that is for you. Uh, for those of you though that are are upset about this movie because you had really expectations that that things were gonna you know go differently or something, I don't know. To me, when I got into the theater, when I went to the Dolby theater, they have that super annoying uh, Dolby section where it's like, at first this was black, now this is black. Here's what fire looks like in Dolby. It's like a five minute presentation on Dolby. I literally close my eyes every single time when that starts because the the music's fine it doesn't there's no words so it's just music but i close my eyes and i it's almost like i pray but i'm i'm really I'm meditating and, and shout out to marvel studios uh marvel studios news Sean Gerber he talked about this too and i, I kind of i was doing it before he said it but I never was able to, to say why or how I was doing it and he perfectly summed it up in terms of it's that moment of like meditating and, and trying to drop off all of the expectations that you have for whatever movie you're going to see so that you can go into that movie fresh and without any sort of expectation. And I did that. I was actually able to do that. Uh, and that made me love this movie. 
all the more for it. And it was a mixture of that and the fact that I saw a lot of mixed reviews beforehand. I thought this movie was going to be a knockout from everybody. And so when I saw that there was mixed reviews, I was like, oh, it sounds like there's going to be some problems. So my expectations actually got lowered. So when I saw this movie, it exceeded my expectations. Um, but yeah, so like I said, I, I, I would love to have a chat with anyone who, who um, is talking about that stuff because I in no way think that it undid anything The Last Jedi did. Uh, it built on a lot of that stuff, and um, as well as I think it was a perfect wrap-up for the entire saga. So um, Rise of Skywalker, after two showings, that's a 10 out of 10 for me. It is now my number two movie of the year under Avengers Endgame. So I loved it. I can't wait to see it again. I can't wait to see it in 4K, and I can't wait to talk to everybody about it. Good, bad, or indifferent, the way that you felt about this movie, I I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Just like I said, again, don't tell people that they're wrong for the thoughts that they have about this movie. Whether it's you thinking it's great and they think it's bad, those people who are bad, that's, you know, that's their opinion. They're allowed to have that and vice versa. So let's just, this holiday season, as Christmas rolls around, let's just try and be kind to one another in this really difficult time where people are struggling to appreciate a movie right? This is the ultimate first world problem. So uh, enjoy this movie for what it is. It's the only episode nine you're ever going to get. There's never, there's not going to be an Abrams cut uh, of this movie, a a secret, you know, extra cut where it's better than what you thought it was or worse than what you thought it was. This is the movie that we're going to get. This is the saga that we've gotten. So try and love it as best as you can and, and try and see what they were trying to do through the cracks. That's where I'm going to leave off on this. So for Comics and Cinema, I'm your host, Alex Klein, and may the force be with you always.